Hi, I'm Liz Ware. And I'm Raelle Bell, and you're listening to That's Brilliant, a podcast by the American Lighting Association. So today, our topic's a little broad in some ways. <laughs> yeah, it's not, you know, as concise and focused as we've done for some of the past episodes. When you first reached out to Shirley, I think you kind of started the conversation, Liz, discussing there's a lot changing in lighting and... Right. How can we build on that idea and what do we need to know about what's changing and how is it changing the way that we need to approach lighting our homes and the spaces around us? Right. And Shirley can talk to us about what's coming, what's here, what's going to get simpler as time goes on. Shirley Coyle is our guest. She is the principal of Relevant Light, which helps businesses grow through developing creative approaches to build strong, engaged teams and to drive profitable growth in new and existing markets. She has expertise in commercial, industrial, and utility lighting markets, and Relevant Light provides consulting services, management consulting, market trends, channel strategy, all that sort of thing. But she's an advocate for quality lighting and has over three decades of experience. And she is a past president of the Illuminating Engineering Society and spent seven years on the IES Board of Directors. So she is definitely qualified to lead us through this topic of what is possible and what will be possible. Yeah, she's clearly got a lot of experience in the industry and she's seen a lot of change throughout her time in the industry. And so hearing what her perspective is on, you know, what we should be focusing on for the future, I think is very valuable. So without further ado, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Hinkley and Kitchler Lighting. Hi, Shirley. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So Shirley, you have this kind of overarching view of the lighting industry. What do you see is coming in the next, I don't know, five years, 10 years? I don't know the timeline. <laughs> Some things move faster than we expect and other things have taken a lot longer. I think one of the big things is sort of the impact of light on human health. I think we thought by now we would have a lot more definitive answers. And the more we get the research done, we find out the more complex the issue is and more nuanced and we need to think about it differently for indoor spaces versus light in the outdoor environment. So the impact on human health, but then just in general with the whole, as we're all living now in this super hot, uh, full of wildfire smoke world, we're all seeing that as climate change is having the impact that we need to think about light how it has a negative impact, not just on us as humans, but that we're part of overall nature and that everything we do has an impact on the other flora and fauna that are out there. So I think those kind of um, issues are going to drive the changes in product and the types of systems that will be offered out there. I think it'll change first on the commercial side or is changing, but we'll see versions of that coming over into the residential side where we can take advantage of some of the technology, whether it's better dimmability, less flicker, having sensors built in. Hopefully we'll get better and better so that these things are just features that you know we accept right now on our smartphones that the apps get better and better and there's more they can do. I would see lighting being sort of more of a, in the long run, a delivered product that offers you, you know, what color do you want it to be? How bright do you want it to be? You know, how easy is it to manage in your own home space, which is often now a workspace as well. 
I definitely want to talk about that. And that's kind of the meat of our conversation. But I want to go back a little bit because you talked about light and human health and then went right into dark sky and light and environmental health. And that connected those two ideas in my head for the first time, which I had never thought of dark skies and circadian rhythm having kind of a a kinship in that it's about using light as it's meant to be in the natural world yeah. for the betterment of everything. So, yeah, and I think that's part of our, you know, our condition. The way we think about ourselves as humans, we think of ourselves as apart from nature instead of being part of nature and that mm-hmm. we're just one of the creatures that are out there we we're doing more i have a lot more impact it seems on all the other creatures but the same things we're finding out in light and human health also affect the environment the same way that light can be you know resetting our own clocks or consolidating our sleep or you know having darkness at night allows us to get that day night signal and we do better the same way when we put a security light out all night that's aimed into our yard we're impacting the flora and fauna that are out there you know they're not used to having light at night we see it with crops on the side of the road where street lights or roadway lights are out there that it affects the yield of the crops but mm. we all of us in nature are impacted by light so the more research we do we find out there's no magic bullet as far as what spectrum or what type of lighting works because there isn't one thing that works for everybody you know we may try to make it right to avoid hurting the turtles when they're hatching but it might not be good for the fish that are in the river or some insect that happens to live in that area Mm -hmm. and we know now that moths are pollinators and you know it's not just daytime butterflies we need to worry about it's it's nighttime creatures that are out there doing pollinating too so it just turns out to be a lot more complex and interrelated but the good news is there are things coming out of the research that right now we can apply um, not just in commercial spaces but in our home spaces, whether they're strictly living spaces or in the spaces where we sleep at home. And then if we have a workspace now, which a lot more of us are working from home where we need to think about having brighter light during the day than we would have just for being around in our houses when we weren't trying to work and keep ourselves alert uh, in the morning. So I think there are some positive things coming out of it already. It's just going to be a lot slower, I think, as far as having definitive answers on how would you do this in all spaces. But we have some things right now that we could guide people on for what to think about for lighting for your home spaces right now on those issues with light and human health too. And just a little public service announcement. We go back in the feed on the podcast. We cover some of those topics. So um, you talk about it being a very nuanced thing and that many different things affect it. Yeah, One of the things we talked about in our circadian rhythm podcast was the light being at the level of your eye. So it enters your eye and the way it reflects off of the different colored surfaces around it, all this sort of thing. And that kind of brings us back to the systems approach of lighting, right. where all these factors are so much more complicated than you know even your average lighting designer really considers. Yes, absolutely. All of our lighting professionals, whether they're lighting designers or consulting engineers, are struggling with this same thing. Well, what are the things in the good old days we had just a little chart that said, this is how many foot candles you need. And it was... It seemed pretty straightforward, uh, and it was, but it wasn't very meaningful because that's not actually what we see. And we so we know a lot better now. But it because it's so complex, 
we're trying to be as cautious as possible with, you know, the recommendations say that the IES, Illuminating Engineering Society, gives for use of these things. But it is a very complex mix of the dose you get during the day. You know, what's your pattern over the day? Are you getting a lot of light in the morning or not very much in the morning? You know, and then you're right at the eye. So there are a lot of things. So I think controls, the kind of system things we mentioned, where you at some point will have built-in sensors and, you know, there may be something that's measuring you know, those kinds of things we can see in the future because it is kind of about consuming light all day long and what's our history. And mm. we should be aware of that. Most of us are not very aware of that. Um, and so we know the general things. We need brighter days and darker nights. So, you know, how do we do that? That's when someone's coming into your retail space and say, how are you using the space? You know, what are you looking to do? What are the ages of the users? Anybody with special things they're doing in terms of their workspace or their uh, visual needs, and then try to match up so that you can give them the best, most flexible experience possible so that it, some hours of the day, a certain space might be a workspace, and then it might turn into the supper table, and, and then it might be somebody right. doing homework. Right. Uh, so I think you know that's where the systems approach can help us, as long as we finesse it so it's not too complex. You know, and that's where the lighting fixture manufacturers really have to do their homework because you can't expect for residential use that people are going to want to operate a big system. And I think the controls companies are getting better at coming up with wireless, simple systems, or at least on the surface, the interface, the user interface can be on your smartphone or on your tablet. Well, and simplicity was where, where kind of I wanted to go next because in, in a self-serving way, this is good for lighting professionals because everything is so complicated. But I don't want to have to read a white paper to buy a lamp, for crying out loud. So what can I do with the controls to make it so that the controls can kind of do some of the math? Well, I agree. I think any of us who stood in the uh, at our local big box uh, hardware store and tried to select lamps, you know, uh, we thought we we're going to solve all these issues with LED, and it's become more complex. And we recognize that some of the things we use, like for describing the color output or the spectrum of a lamp, we use CCT, which, you know, correlated color temperature, which is just, it's a very blunt sort of description of how the source appears. It doesn't really even tell you about how it renders colors and that kind of mm -hmm. thing. So we know we've got some work to do. We have a lot of really smart people that are working on that kind of stuff, but we haven't come up with a good replacement. So for now, that's what we're stuck with. The dimmability, um, and I think you guys have done a lot of good work on that, just because something says it's dimmable doesn't mean it's gonna do a nice job of dimming, right? Mm -hmm. it, so we wanna be watching for Flickr, you know, that your listeners who are operating retail are, are checking the products to make sure, um, and the very simple Flickr test of fan out your fingers and do this while the light is operating, if you see a multiple array of your fingers while you're going in front of the lamp, that's your flicker test that tells you there's flicker on the product. So hopefully as manufacturers, the manufacturers are getting better about that as you dim down to the low end, we don't have flicker so that it's comfortable because flicker isn't just an annoyance for a lot of people. It's a health issue and you know, especially if someone's had any kind of concussion or, or suffers from migraines. So there are some health issues with that as well. So I think it's still going to be complicated for a little while because we don't have the best descriptors. I think the onus really is on manufacturers. We have to tighten up the parameters so the products are, are smoothly dimmable down to a low level. When they're on controls, they're still going to have a nice quality of light, but then be able to build in some of these changes of warmer to cooler so that you could put products that you don't have to choose which CCT you want. 
we should be able to offer that, uh, that something can change from warm to mm. uh, a cooler source without having to have different products or, or do something really complex in the dimming system. So we're talking a lot about, you know, the future and where things are going. So you do a lot of work in the commercial space. Are there things that are already happening in the commercial spaces for lighting and health or just lighting systems that maybe haven't made their way into residential, or at least commonplace residential lighting mm -hmm. that you think are going to in the future? The biggest uptake so far in terms of light and human health would probably be on the in the retail setting for preset scenes where you can have pre-programmed settings. So say in a classroom or in a healthcare facility where you might have things programmed already so that it's very simple user interface with maybe four buttons. I think we're going to get to that on interfaces like an iPad or some kind of tablet that you'd be able to have simple versions of that for home lighting. The challenge I think is that light fixtures that are uh, being sold to residential aren't necessarily intended to all coordinate together. So when you try to put them over onto a system, I don't know that people think about them that way. Uh, looking at sort of architecturally uh, what you want interesting in a, a home setting, I think as we learn and can pass on more information about the importance of lighting in the home setting for our own health and success in working, it'll become more important to people to think about how those things are controlled together. What's the current status? I've heard rumblings of this before. I don't know how many people are working on it, but a common language for controls and smart lighting to all speak so that you can buy any control and it'll work with any light. Yeah, that's a um, big challenge because I, I think, and I obviously I'm an independent consultant, so I don't, I don't speak for any particular manufacturer, but there is a, a concerted effort to come up with control standardization. It's challenging in that, you know, we have several big players who are, you know, there are companies that have proprietary technology and that's their strategy in the market. And they've been very successful at that. But I would say I, we also have a significant part of the market that is trying to keep to open sort of open sourcing that will, you know, for people that want that option. I, I think people end up weighing out, uh, we have been talking to consultants who specify a lot of controls and systems. There are people who land on both sides of that if they feel like they're going to get the service they need and the support from the company who may be proprietary, but have a long standing reputation, they trust them, you know, but I think there are a lot of up and coming options that will change that, or at least give a good range of product that will work on any dimmable product. So you think it's going to be true for a while that you're going to have to make the choice of either a walled garden and you pick a company that has everything you're going to need and you just use that company's technology or an open source. These products are all trying to work well together. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't always entirely. But that's a choice we're still going to have for some time, maybe forever. That's certainly what I'm hearing from, and I, do, I don't specify controls myself, but it's not my area of expertise, but that is, that is what I hear from those who do specify control systems, and that still is. I think we're getting better and better at writing the narrative, you know, what do you want the system to accomplish, the controls narrative that needs to be done first. So yeah, it's a complex process, but I think at the simplest level, it's very similar to just picking out what lighting we want for our homes is that thinking about how you're using the spaces, it will become more prevalent in homes and multi-res that everything 
is on controls so that you can dim because we're learning more and more both that we'll need times of day when you need a lot more light than we used to have. So say in the morning timeframes that we need to get the intensity up for alertness and especially people working at home and then be able to dim down. So I, I believe that going forward, we will see almost all lighting on some sort of control. So it can be not only for intensity to go up and to go down, but to change the color of the spectrum and the, mm-hmm. the output of it. We'll end up with a probably a more precise way to describe that. But I think we will also want to be controlling the spectrum, and especially for nighttime spaces, that the more we know that once you're dark adapted, you don't want to be switching on the bathroom light and, and having your dark adapted eyes you know washed out. Instead, what we see in some of the high-end hotels, that kind of thing, where there's just a a little bit of red light under your bed or as you head to the bathroom, a sensor will automatically turn on low-level lighting. And I think we'll see more of those things reflected in everybody's home because it could make such a difference in how people perform if they're not disrupted and can get back to sleep more quickly and not have a fall in the night, that kind of thing. So I, I think there are lots of great things happening in the commercial side that will provide benefits for the retail side of the business as well. We'll get back to our conversation in just a minute, but first a message from our sponsors. Hinkley is proud to be a fourth-generation family company with the mission of providing customers with exceptional lighting and ceiling fan products. They understand the passion their customers feel for their homes and are dedicated to helping them realize their vision. Learn more about the company, including some incredible charity work they do, at Hinkley.com. Kitchler Lighting is more than just a lighting company. They're a bring people together company focused on strengthening and growing relationships. They're constantly innovating, creating on-trend designs, and delivering high quality product. Learn more and find inspiration and ideas at kitchler.com. I really liked what you said about asking about the needs in a home or in a space as you're as you're you know evaluating what you need to do and with controls or with the lighting products because that gives you the opportunity today in the now with what we do have available to at least improve. You might not be able to do all of these incredible things we're talking about, but if you talk to someone about what their true needs are in a home, especially in a retail sales setting, if you're in a showroom, yes, talking to a customer, that gives you the opportunity to do some of these things. Yeah, I think absolutely. And where we want to try to extend that if we can, so those who are building, developing homes also to be thinking about that from the beginning is how do you prepare the space from the beginning to think about how the lighting throughout, including the maybe security lighting around the house, or if there is an outdoor setting that you want to sort of extend the view of the space, how that's all incorporated so that we're being responsible about whatever light we put out there, that it's on sensors. It's just the, you know, pick the things that you want and make sure it's select or targeted, that it's shielded, that it's on sensors or timers so that it goes off at a certain time because we still have a lot of lighting that is glary or causes a lot of discomfort to other people in the neighborhood. It's a very tough issue to uh, manage because you have no say over somebody's you know, security light they put at the top of their garage kind of thing. But it only takes a small amount of light at a certain angle to create discomfort glare for somebody else. So if we can help people understand that going in, it's not that it costs more money to do it. it it's just selecting a slightly different style of product. And more, again, in research that we do for outdoor lighting um, and what people need for reassurance, it's not that they need to see the whole face of the people. Usually, 
you know, the studies for pedestrians when you're walking down a street is that you want reassurance. So you want to see somebody's outline, their hands, you know, you don't need full-blown light. You're better off at low levels and maybe low-level lighting along your driveway or your plantings to provide just a sense of reassurance. People can see an exit path or an entry path. So I think there are some great things we can do to get people to think about the use of space indoor and outdoor if there is an outdoor application and how to tie it together with controls without it being a bank of switches that they have to try to study to to learn how to use. Well, and for outdoor lighting, we had this in, in our condos. We had some very bright, glaring outdoor lights, and we put in some much dimmer lighting in a different area, and then we took some people out and showed them. In the bright area, you can't see any of the details around the light. All you can see is the light. So that's not safer. In the dimmer area, there was a dimmer light, but you could see the leaves on the bushes. You could see what was around it because the glaring light hadn't blasted your pupils. So so when you have a neighbor who has put a landing strip outside your house, you can talk to them about the, because they're going to say, oh, I'm doing it for security. But it is more secure to have an adequate amount of light than too much light. Yeah, that's a fantastic example. Is That's exactly what we're trying to get people to think about is that where you put the light and small amount of it and light maybe some vertical surfaces to give people context and feel mm-hmm. safe that they can see the path to get out to the, you know, exit the building or to come in is much more valuable than a big glaring wall pack. And, you know, we're guilty of that on the commercial side is that there's still a lot of that stuff sold. And then it, it somehow gives people this reassurance or blasting a lot of light out there. And nobody can see in to see what's around that building, what's going on. Mm-hmm. And the person coming out of the building usually is completely blinded also. So yeah, we, we need to get better at how we do our outdoor lighting. And that, that very much applies to residential. I see so many new homes that, you know, they have down lights all across the facial uh, mm-hmm. and the house is lighted up like a, uh, you know, a, a torch at night. And yet it doesn't provide security. It'd be much better to have small amounts of light and show the path in and out. So there's much better things we can do with that. And I do think the sensors and control part of it, that could be built in, that stuff should be able to be automated so that it, you know, it either responds to activity in the area or, you know, at certain hours so that, so that it could be set it and forget it kind of thing. And then if you need to go in and change it, it'll be something, again, you do on your smartphone if you need to. Well, and that's something we have the technology to do now. And you were talking about like tunable white lights inside. That's something we have the technology to do now. You just need to, you need to know about it. You need to ask for it up front. Yeah. And I think we need some good examples of it. I expect there are good products out there right now that we could. One of the things that in the time I worked a lot of years with manufacturers, the tendency is to try to keep your number of SKUs down. The more we can incorporate and and have any of the products do this, you know, warm to cool kind of thing as we, there's more sophistication being built into the semiconductors and the controls and the, the sensors. So I think we can get there. Initially, it was really expensive to offer these changeable spectrums and, and that kind of thing. But I think we also thought we were going to find the perfect what are the, what's the combination of wavelengths that is perfect and will not disturb anything. And, and the ecologists that we have working on our committees who are bringing the research are more and more telling us, as I mentioned, that you can find something that's disrupted by whatever we're trying to use. Mm-hmm. So, but we'll probably find for humans inside, you know, where it's, we're, we're worried about human activity, 
the other thing is just thinking about every place that we are adding light as humans. You know, sometimes there's a fair movement to talk about it as artificial light. And I always like to remind people it's not artificial. There's nothing artificial. It, it is physics. It's still light. But it's it's human made or anthropogenic, if you want to call it in the same way that we're. Could we just call it electric light? <laughs> that would be fine. It's not all created by electric, but I guess yeah, this is um, yeah, that kind of natural versus electric. But it's not artificial. It's not fake light. It is light. It has the same kind of impacts on us. So we want people to be thinking, wherever we're the ones introducing the light, that we be really cautious about it and careful about where we put it and how we use it. And there are a lot of beneficial reasons to use light inside spaces. We need that. We're we're living now so much of our lives indoors in much lower light levels than what we need, at least in the early part of the thing. So if you can't get outside for a walk, then at least we need some way in the indoor spaces. If people are working there or sleeping and, and they're not sleeping there, if they're studying or then we need to think about how to get higher light levels in the early part of the day and then try to go again for warmer and less light as we get later in the day. And then and then there's the other thing, you know, stay off your screens in the last couple of hours, so, which is hard to do these days. It seems like the takeaways, kind of some of the key takeaways that I've gotten from this conversation is thinking of light as a system for humans and your spaces, but then also in the the ecosystem of our lives. And it's so cool that, you know, we're getting more and more technology driven and more technical with the lighting products, but we're also focusing more and more on nature and natural mm -hmm. life. And I love that kind of juxtaposition, but how it's coming together. <laughs> yeah, it is. I agree. That's, I think the important part is us realizing that we're part of all this and what we do has an impact on the other <laughs> the others that we're sharing nature with but that it's not just technology we're bringing in here we're having an impact on our own physiology and and our behavior so the more we learn about the impact of light on the human systems there are so many different impacts that we want to be as i said cautious about how we use it but we know right now there are things we can do to help ourselves out both for having a more successful daytime, but also the benefit of a darker night as well, whether it's inside the house or mm. light from the outside environment coming in. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk to us. This has been a great conversation. Very welcome. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Hope these thoughts provide some kind of, it. I want people to think about the ways that we can do this better. It's not just about the technology. It, it should be getting better results in how people are feeling in their spaces at home, whether they're working at home or, or living, but thinking about the activities and, and how it changes through the day, our consumption of light and the impact that we're having on ourselves and our families. Absolutely. I think it will. I really appreciate it. He has a lot of interesting perspective on what is, you know, coming in the future of the industry, especially being in the commercial side and, you know, seeing what's going on there. And as we know, you know, things change there before they hit the residential market necessarily. And it makes sense that if you're a landlord at a big commercial building, you want to have tight monitoring and control over all of that sort of things. And you're willing to put some money up front into building all of those systems if you've got a you know a little individual house, you don't have the kind of incentive to be that specific about it. But maybe you do because of all these health aspects. I didn't know we were going to talk so much about the health aspects, that getting the right amount of light at the right time of day without negatively impacting neighbors and wildlife 
Yeah. So you're right. It is like it is becoming important in the residential setting. And we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. We were saying we know our audience and we know who we're talking to. A lot of you guys are in the showroom sales environment. And while we're talking about this, we have to understand and respect the fact that it is still really complex and we understand the challenges of bringing these things to customers. And that's where a lot of our manufacturers and our controls manufacturers, they're working closely with ALA right now to develop ways that we can help guide that process and make it easier in the showroom setting because we do respect and understand the fact that that's a big thing to take on. Well, it's a big lift, but at the showroom level, you know, maybe baby steps. You get a customer who comes in and says, how come none of my light bulbs match? Maybe that's the opening for, okay, let's get you some tunable lights. And they will. Yes. Yeah. Like we said also in, during the interview with Shirley, there are ways you can start, you know, in small scale steps mm-hmm. by just talking to a customer about what really impacts them in their home and what their needs right. are in their space. Right. Big things to come, big things happening now. We'll be talking about all these big things and more at our conference in Lake Tahoe in September 2023. Be there. Yes, you can register and learn more about all of the speakers and events happening during the conference online at alaconference.com. We hope to see you there. And thanks again to our sponsors, Hinkley and Kitchler Lighting. Stay brilliant. <laughs>